Okay, we're going to have a little bit of a discussion today. We're going to talk about liking yourself. So, are there any scriptures on this subject? Yeah, that's where I went. So, I was shocked at how many people struggle with liking themselves. Like, I see people and I see them as very secure, very confident, and they'll tell me they don't like themselves, that they struggle with that. What causes someone to struggle with liking yourself? Because you have to live with yourself all the time. <laughs> Can't get away from yourself. I know one time I told myself in college, I need to take a vacation from myself. <laughs> what do you think about it? Do you think it's because they've had some kind of a, something in their life that they didn't feel loved by someone that's important, like a parent? You what? see your, all of your own faults that the other people yeah. see. Yeah. I, think it's, I don't think there's any one thing. People are hard on themselves. They have a hard time forgiving themselves. They feel guilty about things. Okay. Or if they yeah. have someone, if they've had a lot of people leave them, or you know, maybe they'll think it's them. You know, it's funny if you're, like, if somebody's abused. A lot of times, they'll really internalize the abuse, and they'll really think it's their fault, even though they're, it might not make any sense to your rational mind. But, but I would also say another thing of that to, to a different aspect of it is they don't realize all voices in their heads aren't theirs. Okay, that's for sure. Because you don't have to like everything that you hear, but that doesn't mean everything you hear is actually from you. Okay, so here's Kyle. Uh, we've been kind of discussing that subject, but he said that you don't like all voices. Say it again. You don't like all the voices you hear, but a lot of people don't realize all the voices you hear aren't actually yours. Mm-hmm. Spiritual warfare. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially when you don't know it's spiritual warfare, so you think the voice is just attacking you. Mm-hmm. All truth on yourself. And I would dare say that in the churches across America, the thought life of not all voices are yours actually coming from yourself is not being taught. I think my mom, where she talked about, it'll talk in first person. And this is really the first step to get free, is realizing everything you're hearing in your head is not you. So you may think, I don't like myself, but it's not you yourself saying that to you. Like some people, like society, I've seen, especially in the Deep South, a child is raised and everything is about making yourself look good in front of people. I mean, everything is, my, you've got to put on the face. And so that has bled over into the church. I won't name a certain state I was in visiting relatives in the deep south, and I was shocked at how much hypocrisy was just openly discussed. And in church... I couldn't make it work out. I mean, like, church was all about the facade. It was all about looking good. It was all about putting on certain airs. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say the great, the deception, the great deception is it's, you think, 
because then you think there's really not anything I can really change because it's genuinely who I am. And so it's that word that we all hate in here, it's powerless. So the enemy constantly wants to keep you powerless. So anytime you're feeling powerless or like you don't have a choice, you've got to question it. Mm -hmm. Every time. Powerless, don't feel like it can change. You've got to really look at that and see where is it coming from. Are you being deceived? Because self-deception is the worst. Self-deception is the worst. I think it was one of our Bible studies before of um, what you focus on is where you're going to go. So if you spend all your time focusing on alcoholics, hating it, whatever, that's the only place your attention is. As soon as you get far enough away from it, you're still looking at it. Yeah. Um, I think we did it with the concept of sin. If, if your focus is just not to sin, as soon as you stop sinning, well, the pressure to not sin goes away because you're not doing it. And then you just slide right back because your focus is on the sin. Let's use something a little more personal. Control. If somebody has a very controlling parent, I'm not talking about a very strong parent. I'm talking about control. A lot of times they'll pick up control themselves. Mm -hmm. Or they'll become extremely passive. Just to the point they're crazy passive. Control would be one that I'd watch. Because, I mean, alcohol, I mean, that's an exterior problem. Control is an interior problem. And to me, those, they take more work. Because, you know, when you first get saved, all the little body things, carnality, start falling off. But what you can't figure out is the internal, soulish part. So control, to me, is something that you've got to watch. Uh, let's say a very controlling mom... You have a man, and that control has done something to you. It's trained you. Whatever the parent did to an, obs an excessive amount that is not truthful, because the Bible says the truth will set you free. Whatever area in you that's not free, you don't have truth in. So you've been trained on some things that are not giving you freedom. So control to me has been something I have watched and watched and watched. You do not want control in your life, but you also don't want to be reactionary to control. You know, where I, I just don't like conflict. Or, I was going to say, or non-confrontational. Yeah, I just don't like conflict. Well, I can pretty well go and there'll be somebody that you thought was controlling you or you felt powerless around. So in starting the concept of locking yourself, I would say you need a lot of truth going on inside of yourself. One thing you could say, uh, let me give you a reason for locking yourself. You're made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? You're made in the image of God. I would say that gives you a lot of possibilities for your life. And then when the Lord says, with man it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. So even though you're made the image of God, with God you can get into the realm of impossibilities. Look at your life right now. Is everything in your life something you've given yourself? Or have you gotten to the point where you're way past what you're able to give yourself? 
Like, are you in that realm of moving in a realm that's, that's past what you can do for self? Because you can get into the realm of the impossibilities with the Lord. All right, so self. Now, if you don't like yourself and you've made up your mind, I don't like self, then what are your choices? If you don't like yourself, what are your choices? I want to hear the obvious. Hate. Hate yourself what? Failure. Failure. Write those down. Hate, failure. You want the one I was thinking of. If you don't like yourself, I was thinking. Change. Well, that's good. Do something about it. I was thinking, shoot yourself. Give up. Keep going. Don't change it. If you hate yourself, you don't have anything to work with. You don't have a choice. Right. Yourself is your first seed that you can sow. Okay. I, I was thinking someone would say, if you don't like yourself, you go through life trying to find someone who does like you. <laughs> And you're expecting someone else to do for you what you are not doing for yourself. And that's called most marriages. That's why we were talking about you've got to be not 50-50. You've got to be 100-100. So you cannot expect someone to love you if you don't love you. And and that's one of the biggest problems I find Mm -hmm. with someone who, who doesn't like themselves is you're trying to get someone to love you in a way you don't love you. How about if we really, really start liking someone else before we like ourselves? How about if we really, really like someone before we like ourselves? What kind of trouble can that cause? Yeah. Relying on it. Or uh-huh. leaning on it too. Uh-huh. Even a worship. Yesterday I had to buy a book. And it was Elvis Presley. The title of the book you was Had to. Buy had to. And so, anyway, it, the title of the book was um, Elvis Was Always Looking for Love. It was written by his, st- uh, his brother, Rick Stanley, that became a Christian. And I looked in his eyes. It was built on what you said need. People will have the same need. Or they had both lost somebody in their life. It's built on something like that. And it works to a certain point, And then it quits working. And so need love looks really tight in the beginning. But it, it doesn't. It doesn't have that strength. That's why we said, yeah, you've got to have need. And I still think you need to be dependent on each other at the higher stage, the develop, the committed side. But the dependence is more because you both develop your strength. I mean, need's fun. I mean, men are attracted to a woman who needs them. But it can't be that he has such a need for validation that he has to keep her weak. These are all things you've got to work out. In love, you can work a lot of this out. So that's part of the trouble it can cause. And I don't think that we are thinking those terms when when we're doing the, the love thing that I may really, really be liking someone before I've liked myself. 
and that that will cause problems if you don't get that straightened out. So, for all of you who want to one day be married, I think liking yourself is, is a good, healthy step. I think it shows strength. And I, and I don't think you should make it someone else's problem to help take you through the death, burial, resurrection. But overall, and so I'm bringing all that to the table to tell you, overall, uh, I think the kids that you find most attractive are kids that like themselves. Don't expect someone else to do your work for you of making someone else love you if you don't love you. If someone likes themselves, they're very attractive. I love the way the Lord, he, he does things to help humans out because, my gosh, we're incapable. We can make so many messes. But if a kid doesn't like themselves or the crowd doesn't like them, so you'd have 70 kids and there'd be one kid. and It'd be an outstanding kid, but, you know, no one liked that kid. If I'd start putting my love on that kid, in four years they were the favorite. So love does do a lot. It does. So the Lord has given you so many options. I'm trying to give you the option of liking yourself, but I'm saying it does work for someone to affirm you, to put their love on you. And then, lo and behold, if you receive the Lord's love, where are we then? But if you have that little, you walk in and there's a, a shining crown on you because you are highly favored of the Lord. It's amazing to see what love does. I, I can't see love. And you can't prove that there's love on this earth. So I'm an atheist. I don't believe in love. That's how people do God. But the truth is love is what holds this whole crazy mess together. If there wasn't love, it would be terrible. There's more love than just what the what the radio sings about. I mean, I heard Johnny Cash last night talking about, you're my best friend. <laughs> That's a form of love. You're my best friend. But you know, Johnny Cash had gone through a lot of heartache and bad relationships. If you read his story, but he married himself a spirit-filled woman. <laughs> And she changed his life. I mean, Michael Landon had it on, uh, I think, uh, Little House on the Prairie, and all, Touched by an Angel. He had put Johnny Cash on there with that woman. And that's who he was singing about last night. You're my best friend. So funny God can give you love in different ways. That best friend. You know, and uh, Johnny Cash, he had gone through a lot of women. My gosh, Elvis Presley said, something's wrong with that guy. I mean, that's pretty bad for those for two Elvis guys. <laughs> for Elvis to look at Johnny Cash and said, he called him some not-so-choice things, but he just said, there's something wrong with Johnny Cash. And so he met the Lord late in life. I got tickled. Michael Landon starred him as an old corrupt preacher. And uh, he was a fake and a shyster. But at the end of the movie, he, he turned around. So I just like the way the Lord cheats because he has so much love to give. He's trying to work you into something where something produces out of your life. He, he's constantly working on you. So anyway, 
I would challenge you, don't expect someone to do for you what you cannot do for yourself, except if you want to say, God, now he will do that for you, and he must do it for you. Because I don't even think you can love yourself till you've been loved by God, until you just really receive that. I don't know if it's really possible. Because if you like yourself in the world, it's just you like yourself for all the wrong reasons, and it's all kind of empty stuff that will eventually go away, and then you'll hate yourself. But if you really know you're loved by God, it gives you the strength to lock yourself and not have to take vacations from yourself. So we've established, or at least we're basing off of me, that people tend to like people who like themselves. So non-confident people are kind of a parasite off of confident people in a lot of ways, bring strength. So I'm saying if you're agreeing with me that if you... You tend to like these people who like themselves. Now, let me ask you a question. Is someone who really likes themselves, are they uh, not losing their life properly? Are they arrogant? Are they prideful? Are they what the Bible says no to? Let's hear it. So here you've got... Oh, go ahead. You just have to love God more. Oh. You just fix the priority issue. That's one way to just settle that argument. Is it Nebuchadnezzar? He goes, you know, he tells how great he is, and he's amazing, and most king, he's the greatest king, all the money, all the, and then he gets thrown in the wilderness for like seven years. With a little fur on his back. Yeah, eats vegetables and plants and all stuff. But anyway, he comes that out, is a and he says exactly the... He comes out and he says all the same things except, God, you're greater than me. <laughs> so, Sam, you and John are agreeing with each other. That's Sam? Yeah, that's Samantha. Oh, wow, I thought that was Siri. <laughs> Use AI. <laughs> that's why we get such good answers. <laughs> Gosh, that cleared my mind. I'm starting over. Is someone who really likes themselves really biblically off? So they said it could be. And Siri here said that <laughs> as long as you love God the most, it balances that out. So a lot of what the church or religious thinking has done to us is it tries to kill that lack of yourself. Mm-hmm. And they call oh, yeah. that humility. Uh-huh. They think it's pride. I got in trouble just the other day. Yeah. Where I honestly prefer people that bring a lot of strength to the table. Most churches want some people that are very, I call them non, non-people. More dumbed down. They're non-persons. Passive. Passive. Yeah. <laughs> Repressed. <laughs> And they like the hypocrites, as long as they put on the face and come yep. in. Yep. I, I've never felt like pastor. No, as long as they submit to you. Yeah, I've never. <laughs> <don't>. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I felt like that you're not working with genuineness on that. You've got to defend, define what friendship means to you. Does friendship just mean to you? You say you like everything about me, and you also are loyal to me even when I'm wrong. You can still be loyal, but... But, but a biblical perspective would add, okay, because I'm going to go okay with Catherine on the loyal. Thing. I'm not trying to throw it under the bus, but because, my gosh, we don't have enough of it. But, but I'm saying iron sharpens iron. You don't give this blind loyalty to your friend. There's actually sparks that fly between you at times. Like in the back room, you're working out difficult issues so that you come out in public and you're agreed upon things. Like parents. You know, I've just decided we're doing our, our architect drawings wrong, that when we design our homes, we should make the parents' room soundproof. <laughs> because we've all heard our parents uh, have their arguments. That needs to be soundproof. But you know what? They're not fighting in front of the kids. They're coming out with a, an agreed-upon idea. You're working out that difference in your bedroom. So with Christians, it's iron sharpening iron. But there's some people, and they just, they agree upon each other's weaknesses. They agree upon each other's, where they're completely wrong. They have friendships based on offense. They have friendships based on who they hate. Like C.S. Lewis said that the most dangerous people are, you see two people pair off and go to the side, and the group looks over and says, I don't trust those two together. Well, the reason they don't trust two people paired off to the side is, Usually they're saying, we don't like the boss. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're going to, you know, they're usually offended. But he said, among Christians, the two people that pair off and go off, sometimes they come up with a cure for the herd and come back in and cure the herd. That's what we should be doing is curing the herd. Well, I mean, Eric and I stayed in our, our uh, Sunday school for five to six years after we had Mm-hmm. started coming here because we cared about those people and yep. wanted them to have a deeper walk with the Lord and they said they did but after five to six years of working with them mm-hmm. there was no change they didn't want to change so we finally had to go we got to move on from here yes but we stayed for five or six years trying to work with them yeah like a series said a minute ago loving God more so on the podcast, we put up our version of Crossline's thought on self. And we based that on six times in the Bible. Jesus says, it's quoted, you got to lose yourself, sookie, lose your in order to gain or lose your life, soul life. It's it, it, that translation of that word is very interesting. In order to gain it. All right, let's throw another one up. Another one is you love not your life even to death. Revelation. To overcome. That's Revelation 12, 11. Overcome by the blood, overcome by the word, and everybody leaves off that one. Mm-hmm. So here you have this thing of lose your, your sookie, and that's just the Greek word, soul life. You can have different words for it. And then you have this one, and then... I, I knew for sure this was what I should teach on today when I saw the Bible verse. Steph, I'm going to have you read it because it's King James. But 
Have the Brit read it. I'm telling you, <laughs> we're close enough now, just throw them under the bus. Verse of the day. Here. No, not really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get the Brit. Let's get the Brit to read it. Well, you make Mark leave. He doesn't want to hear you read. I hear the text, and, well, he's not Texan. He's Californian. That's why he speaks perfectly. Yeah. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem the other better than themselves. All right, so you put a little Philippians in there, and you add the revelation, and then you add the lose yourself. No wonder Christians don't like themselves. I want to hear this problem because I put them up next to each other on the podcast, and I told Sam, let's see what people do. I'm going to put up this thing on self. And I'm talking about this because... What's going wrong in our culture? Self. Everybody is so selfish, so self-focused, we could just scream over society. And here I am next to it teaching, but you got to lock yourself. And I can't wait till the reports start coming in going, you shouldn't have put those together, they contradict. Now we're to the point of the Bible study. This is a group that we usually hammer, jump up and down, and scream. Self. It's the fat leg. <laughs> so, what on earth? It's putting the proper value in each thing. Like esteeming yourselves better than your neighbor almost contradicts love your neighbor as yourself. I think so. But whenever you esteem your neighbor better than yourself, you're not seeking after yourself. You're kind of trying to look out for your neighbor as much as you're looking out for yourself. Well, I knew Paul one-upped it with saying that you've got to do it more. And I thought, that was hilarious. That's what popped up this morning at 1. Yes. In the back, I see that hand. I feel like one thing is, like, especially if you get into, like, self-hatred and, like, really putting yourself down because it's selfish because it holds you back a lot, like, especially from anything the world wants to do. Like, I, I, I've seen a lot of Christians, and I definitely... And there's a lot where it's like, well, I'm not good enough to do this thing for the Lord because of me. And like, like especially self-hatred, like when it's deep, it's selfish. So it just holds you back and holds the Lord back and other people. Okay, so let's take off self-hatred then and say, absolutely, you can't do it if you self-hate. So what should we do? Just be neutral with self based on trying to balance out these two scriptures? Die to self. Oh, no, there we go. Die to self. <laughs> well... Esteem is to regard highly, favorably, with the regard of respect, admiration, or to regard as high honorability, as valuable. But with that concept, Jesus already answered that. Don't sit at the top of the table, because the person will come in and move you down. Uh Sit yourself at the lower end so that they'll come and lift you up. Okay. So it's giving honor to others in the same measure appropriately not everyone (laughs) but appropriately giving honors to others and in doing so it'll bring honor to where you can be moved up instead of saying I'm the best one thing I I heard on ego years ago um, paraphrasing because I don't really remember it fully but like so often we think we need to think of ourselves as like we need to think more of ourselves we need to think less of ourselves instead we should just 
think of ourselves less because whether you think you need to be or whether you're trying to think better of yourself or you're trying to think worse of yourself, you're still thinking about yourself and that puts you at the center of your life instead of thinking about yourself less and putting the Lord at the center of your life. Okay, so we're talking about self-hate here. We're talking about self-focus here. But if you focus less on yourself, then you know, you're right. What are you saying, you really Justin? You love yourself and you would want to die to, like, bad parts of yourself. You know? So I have some bad parts, some good. Yeah. I told stuff, I, I, or renew it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's salvation. We're told to die. Okay. So I'm hearing what Eric's saying is you've got Old Testament saying you're made in the image of God and then New Testament you're saying you're a new creature in Christ and he's saying that's even better, even a stronger concept. Because the devil wants to make you hate yourself. Because you will never fulfill what God has for you. True. But you have to do it with Christ in you in a partnership or whatever with him leading the way. And it's not about you. It's not in your own Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's also what parts of ourselves are we loving, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's things about ourselves that we can love and things about ourselves that we can hate. Like someone can love themselves because they're beautiful, because they look good on a bikini on TikTok, or right. So you can. Right. So I think that's what that's kind of the worldly what, thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. right. So yeah. what parts of ourselves are we loving? That's that's the difference, right? You can love who you are and you do things selflessly and. I agreed with that until, Catherine, I had the Lord even take my good parts and put it through the death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, because at first, you're, that's what you're doing. You're putting all your bad stuff on it. But there comes a process where my good stuff is even more tricky than my out-and-out bad. You know, it's like, part of your sell-out to the Lord. Yeah. It's, it's going through different levels of sell-out with God. Yeah. That's what Brother Jacob told me. Because he started off with like the deny yourself stuff, like the negative. But then he said, I have a bunch of talents that you don't know that I'm going to give you. But then he says, the talents I don't know, I need to give over to the Lord to use them. So it's the good and the bad. Like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a conundrum in a way. It's a constant like, growing with the Lord. Like we're, we never reach the end. Ever. I think a lot of this is um, like you you need to get to that point of confidence with the Lord and set it aside and move on and make something else your focus like the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And right here it's saying like when you're so focused on the kingdom you're looking for agreement in other Christians so that you can do the work of the kingdom. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, to a certain point, it's kind of get over yourself, make your decision, and then stick with it. Mm-hmm. Now move 
and do something together in the kingdom. And this is agreement. But always be listening because you might be missing something. Be listening and paying attention. Don't be ignorant of the Satan's schemes. But also pay attention because somebody may be better in an area than you are. Listen for that. People who oversee other people are always looking for the gifts in the people that work for them. Does that make sense? Because you want to utilize people in the kingdom. You know, she's hitting on something interesting on what Paul said. But when you read what he's saying, he's saying that I didn't say to the, you know, the foot, and I have no need of you. Right. So he's building a case for unity. So we use the verse to make disunity out of it. Oh, yeah. get rid of tongues, get rid of healing. Get, I mean, they, well, so we use the verse opposite than what Paul's saying because Paul's saying unity. Okay, okay, let me just tell you what this means. If you have an emergency and you're just enjoying yourself at the park and suddenly you get a phone call or text that says your life is not going to be as you know it now, you have an emergency. <laughs> who do you call? You call a person who has a gift of healing. Yep. You get into groanings, intercession. I mean, their whole life is, you can tell, is their gift. Yep. We're taking away from the verse instead of adding. Yes. But if you've got someone that needs a healing, who do you call? It doesn't mean everyone can't pray the prayer of faith. We can. But you call that person that has been known to raise the dead. Yes. Mm -hmm. You're going to go to that old cranky woman who you think's crazy to call because... She may be crazy, but she can pull something down. Respect. And you're not that crazy and cranky. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were going to go there. In, in simple terms, it's respect. It is. So we're taking a gift of the Spirit, and we're going, oh, see, I don't have to. And he's not saying that at all. And I'd say, good, don't then, because if that's your attitude, I don't have to. Why would God want to give you something anyway? Well, how rude. I don't have to. Everybody's looking for a reason they don't have to do something God gives them as a gift. Lazy. It's horrible. And I have never in my life had that preached right. I have never oh, yeah. heard it right. But one day the Lord showed me, you're going against what he was saying. He's talking yep. about unity. Like sometimes I look at you and you may be crazy and I'm tired of your personality. And my gosh, every time you're going to make me pray four hours every single day. And oh... Angie's getting up at three. One day I'm going to have to do that. And But literally you're like, oh, I need that. And you're so grateful for it. So you don't sit there and tell yourself, I don't need the foot. Mm -hmm. And that's what Paul's saying. It's such a great scripture. Because it's just like what we talked about there. Mm -hmm. Just stick with what he's telling you. He's telling you we need each other. And even though we wear each other out, when it all comes down to it, we're like a band of brothers. We trust each other. I once heard someone say, we as crossliners might fight and fight and fight, but when it comes to babysitting, we won't use anyone but a crossliner. We know we have no sense. We're all crazy, but at least we can hear God. I mean, it's funny how it, you become unified with what we started out with Eli saying from the very beginning, the love of truth. So this liking ourselves and what you're bringing to the table of, of God putting gifts on man, Eric brought it up with, it really is a water baptism means 
every bit of me, good parts and bad parts, are, die, are buried, and they're resurrected back up. Boy, it happens symbolically in five minutes, but you live a lifetime trying to live that death, burial, and resurrection, even though it's technically true from the moment you're saved. In that sense of the word, you are getting the best of both worlds. Because the world just likes themselves, like Catherine's saying, because of something they can put up on TikTok. But that doesn't last long. With the Lord, he saves the best for last. Let me say something here. Let me just make something simplistic. Like if you're given an assignment and you don't believe in yourself and believe that you can do it, then basically you're saying no faith. Like, That's good. It, it's why Christians walk around and they feel like they don't have assignments from God. And they're missing it because they've got to have the confidence in themselves to have the confidence with God. Because basically you're saying, I don't feel like God can fill in the voids that I'm missing. I mean, in simplistic language, I would tell you, you have no faith. If you don't have confidence, you don't have faith. That's how I would say it. And it's why there's no assignments. Because People, people are looking, aren't given assignments. They're looking for God to do something outside of themselves, and he's wanting to do something through you. So we've shot ourselves but, in the foot with Christianity yeah. because we've been teaching dumb-downness, uh -huh. control. <laughs> Humility. They don't Small realize humility. that yeah. humility is strength submitted. Strength where you have, uh, I don't like the word control, but mastered. It, it, it's, it's where you have strength. And I'm, I'm about to say something in a minute because I've done all this to prove one thing to you. But we have blown it because we have no confident Christians. Yes. We've blown it. We've 2,000 years blown it because we've taught a false humility. Yeah. I couldn't find the way that we teach humility, I do not find in the life of Christ. And I know he wasn't a hypocrite. So I know that that, that Christ that was so strong is literally my picture of what humility looks like. But it doesn't fit my definition that I was taught in church. Right. And we have wrecked Christianity of getting anything done in the kingdom because of this teaching. So let me show you. Let's stick with what Jesus said on this like thing. He tells you there's only two commandments. You got your big thick Bible. The Jews say there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament, I think. So they said, please, you know, summarize what's the most important. And he, he tells us to. And he says that you've got to love people the same as you love yourself. And I think that is the best model. If I try to love you more than I love me, it doesn't work. And if I try to love you less than I love me, it doesn't work. So it needs to be a very good seesaw. And I don't have the power to love you if I don't love me. 
I don't. So I don't have to spend a lot of time on self-love. It comes naturally. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you have things that cause you to take care of yourself. God instinctively puts self-preservation inside the human being. This culture of death where people want to die is anti-God. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's not how God made it. He made you when you touch something hot to back off. He made you to preserve yourself. So you should have enough of it in there. You don't, like y'all were saying, focus on it. But I've never seen it work to go more or less than. Then, as Siri said earlier, you love God more than yourself. That's the only being that can take your worship. You know, it says a man wants to serve something. Every man wants to serve. There's, have you ever used words that are a little too strong for love? Like, I love the language of love. I like how love sounds when you speak it. But if you get into words like worship, I worship you, I adore you, it's off. It feels funny. I worship you, I adore you. Uh-uh, it's not right. That's for God alone. So in love, the language of love, you can say some very strong things on love. But only God can take that more than a human can't take it. They can't. It's too much. It's, it's meant for God. So I think it's the best thing that you can ever imagine to do what it says here. Yes, I believe you should like yourself. I don't think I have the capability of loving you the way you need to be loved. If I haven't resolved a lot of things, let's say in my training growing up, going back to the beginning, where I'm not emotionally healed, I don't have the ability to love you because I'm still broken. But if I have strength, I have the power to love you. Even if you can't love yourself right at this moment, you can grow into it. So the same as thing. So does that mean today's scripture was wrong? Paul just, my gosh, he didn't have that New Testament in his pocket, so he didn't know. <laughs> what are we going to do with that? All right. Let me try to find words. Paul's actually correct, but it didn't fit that model. Let's see if we can say it. Like I have to have something to give to be able to lay it down. Like, if you're surrendering to God and you're a loser and you're a failure, your whole life is a mess, you don't have much to lay down to God. <laughs> so you're not really surrendering. You're just broken and, and failing. <laughs> you're not surrendering to God. You're, you're just, you're in the dirt. But if someone's very successful and they surrender to God, they really have something to give. Same thing with love, or same thing with this. To lay myself down, I have to be where I have something here to give. Like, you have to have something in order to give it. So what we've done as a church is we try to make ourselves where we're lowly and we have nothing, and we call that giving it. No, that's just poverty. The owner was trying to give it to him for free. Yeah, the owner trying to give it to him for free. And he says, how can I give something to God that didn't cost me anything? Mm -hmm. 
That's yeah, a form of it. I think it's the way to look at it. Yeah. So Paul's thing is correct in the sense that I have enough self-love. I have something to lay down to give to you. Does it make sense? Like, you can't take emptiness and bow it. So you develop who you're meant to be as an individual. You develop, you get, I don't think, I've never felt like you can overdose on love. So you develop completely who the love in your life, only to have it to where it gives you more to give to God, to where you bow it down. And then there's different ways you can do it. It says if you give it to a friend, the Lord says the friend will give back to you, so you get your reward. But then sometimes he'll give you the strength to love someone that's not lovely or unlovable. And he gives you that grace because you love God and you're giving them love and it'll, it'll begin to fill their tank up. But it's you having enough love to give. And so that's where I would say Paul, he's taking it a second point and he's telling you once you've loved yourself and you like yourself, then it gives you something to give. I mean, honestly, when someone doesn't like themselves and they're, they, it shows they don't like themselves, I'm not very flattered when they like me. I'm like, what do they want? Yeah, you know, that's what you think. But if somebody that really likes really? themselves likes me, I'm like, it could be our yeah, it is. Like, and then what do I do to show strength? I give what I have. Well, you look at it as I have something to work with. Yeah, mm -hmm. bring something to the table. Mm -hmm. So can you see where people think all these verses contradict themselves? But the truth is they don't have enough maturity to see how they apply. And this is the failure of the church, is they don't understand paradoxes in scriptures. They call them discrepancies, and they call them contradictions. It's just they're not wise enough to know the difference. And they've got to grow to understand it. Because that's the genius of the Bible. As you grow in wisdom, it, you're like, oh my gosh, this makes it all make sense. It's but, like kids with their parents. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can't do what Paul's telling you to do of all that Shakespeare stuff, of esteem people more highly than you and... and Consider yourself lowly. If you don't like yourself, it's going to look pitiful. I have to say that was one of the things that impressed me the most when I first came into Crosslines is that I watched Angie actually listen to the kids like they were going to tell her something they, she didn't know. Yeah. And sometimes they would. Yeah. That's what I was like. I really marveled at that because I was like wow she really listens and expects to hear God through that kid that mm -hmm. you know just got filled with the spirit last week and is flying around the room kids have a, kids have a purity that we tend mm -hmm. to muddy mm -hmm. in ourselves mm -hmm. so it's good to hear it through the other children sometimes yeah. yeah I was listening to Carly tell me some things and you like them at that age because they're very genuine yeah, she's not trying to, she hadn't learned how to be an adult and tell me what I want to hear. She hadn't learned the, the ethics of adulthood. One 
I don't know how you do that because a lot of times when I talk to young people, I feel like I'm getting dumber. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, she wants. Obviously, it's me. I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> because I'm like, it's so refreshing for her to be that honest. Like, could we have this in the church? This would be wonderful. I've had a friend in the past that I had to tell, look, literally nobody likes your kid. <laughs> it, True story. I didn't quite say it like that. No, I did. This is, and it was probably one of the toughest conversations I've yeah. ever had. But I loved her. She was one of my closest friends. And what was happening is we had these parties and stuff, and nobody wanted to, for her to come because they couldn't stand her kid. I almost punched that kid. <laughs> for real. No, we all did. We all wanted to punch her. Simultaneously, all at the same time. And it, it was that bad. Like, it, it, it caused so many problems. And we can't stand how she treats you and how she talks to people. And she's a brat. And nobody wants to. And I'm only telling you because I love you. Yeah. I have respect for you. And I don't want you to be cast out of the group. That's no, causing the problem. No, we can't respect you because how you allow your yeah. child to treat you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what it was. And it was very hard for me to do. Well, I mean, if there's not truth and genuineness in it, how much of a friendship is it really? Yeah. Because I'm making the point that that is actually more love than the ten people around her that didn't say anything. Yeah, that was so hard for me to do. Because like, it was a risk. The night before. Like, it was, mm -hmm. that was hard. But I did it because I loved her, not because I had to get it out. Isn't that what the church is doing right now? You guys have said several times it's Christianity problem. They can't be honest with themselves. How can you, they be honest with anyone else? Yeah. That's a, a good way to say the locking. Yeah. And that's what friendship's about. And if I need to be hard on me, then that means I probably need to be hard on you. So you need to expect that off of me too. <laughs> and, the, and the world thinks... Oh no, as a yeah. church person, you're not loving them because you said one certain thing to them. And the truth is, oh no, no, it's really the opposite. The truth is, you're not letting me love you because mm -hmm. I'm considering you or me and I'm you and I'm, I'm doing to you what you need and, and your problem's really not that issue. Your problem is this issue here, which is much worse than that issue. Okay. Hang on, hang on. She, hang on, hang on. Okay, hang she, on. Uh, she named it. Hang on. But the root difference is that she believes she's powerful. Yeah. And what she says makes a difference. She, and what she does makes a difference. She's confident. That's at the root. And she like, okay, so what she's just proved right here is that you can do the commandment number two without the Lord in some sense. And I'm not going to say completely without the Lord because the very fact that God made Catherine makes her in the image of her maker. Well, I had them with me all the time. I just didn't know. It. Yeah. So, all right. So there is <coughs> the handprint of God. She just hadn't received him yet. So the world is doing better on number two. But the new Catherine, then she'll be doing it not just because she loves that person more than self. If she loves God more than herself. And she loves that person. Makes it a double thing. Well, not only that, she knows that the Lord loves, loves that, that person. I was just going to say that. So that's where a lot of the problem comes in. Like with the church, people look at church as like a self-help thing where it's all about getting you mm -hmm. yep. to where you are yep. good instead of helping others. Yep. Rather than dying to yourself and letting Christ live through you. 
So what I would say is Catherine will even come to the next steps as that wisdom that God's given her and that ability to love others will even go through another transformation of the power of God getting a hold of it. And I'm seeing these things move pretty quickly. And it's just the time short and God's moving and people I've seen, some of you grow so fast and I, I really enjoy watching your growth. That's my form of child development. You know, every parent will tell you, I remember when my kid first said the word mom or dad. My thing where I get a little teary-eyed is I'm in the Philippines and I see you, or you lead your first person to the Lord or you cast out your first demon. And I get that, want to put it on your little calendar. We need a little like sash like you uh -huh. get in the yeah. Boy Scouts uh -huh. where you have your little badges, uh -huh. you know. Uh -huh. And so you're so demon. cute. Yes, here's your bag. John uh, came home and raised a dead baby. I mean, he, had, he had a special little badge, Catherine. <laughs> and when you have someone that raises a baby from the dead and they hardly believe it themselves, and you see John speaking and we're all telling our miracles and John doesn't get excited about himself. He just tells it real slow like this, like nothing's going to come out of it. And then he says, and then we used the name of Jesus and the baby came back to life and the whole village was saved. <laughs> and everybody in the church, they're, they're like, "Did we, what did he just say? I mean, they haven't been listening because it's all sounding the same alike, the motor. <laughs> but he just said that a baby was raised from the dead, and they're just traumatized by that. So I'm sitting in the back watching the church get the electrical shock. And you'll see someone punch someone next to him and say, did you hear what he said? You know, and, and, and you look at John, and what works about John, you believe John, and that creates another problem. He's believable. <laughs> Like, if that personality's lying, we've got serious problems. I mean, he's coming across as like, I, I might want to trust John. And he just said, miracles are still happening today? You've got to be kidding. And so that was his little badge on the mission field. Because God likes to shake things up. And it just, going with John, and he tells it just so, like, nothing spectacular happens and then everybody's electrified it's double the jolt so God likes us and that's what gets us where he takes us on this journey and to me it's such a fun divine dance even with self that we don't realize that you've got to have something to give to God like you, you know lose yourself or uh, not love yourself even to death you know when you don't love yourself even to death? It's humility to acknowledge there's some things out there in life that mean more than your life itself. Like there's some things worth dying for. There's some things that are bigger than us. And what I would tell you from a Christian standpoint, because the world will tell you it's love of country, love of family, love of that. It's the natural loves. But from our standpoint, it's the kingdom of heaven. That our goal is to get the Father's love into people's hearts. And some people get really agitated about it before they really see the maturity of it. So this would be what I'd invite you into uh, doing. I don't think you can really die to yourself until we first handle this thing of, if you don't like yourself, you've got a problem. And you can't expect someone else to do it for you. But I do think that 
I do think people that are mature in the word could help point out what's causing the conflict. What it is causing you to reject yourself. I'd like to add one more thing. Yes, Siri? <laughs> Just from listening to the podcast that you put up over the weekend. Yes. One of the things that I thought was really good is you bring up the verse about presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. And you make the point that like a sacrifice is supposed to be you giving your best. And how can you really be a living sacrifice if you don't value yourself? Like you want to give the Lord something of value. Mm. Good. Good. You're making a good point because Malachi makes fun of they were giving God uh, their lame sheep. Always say, hey, God, uh, if you want to sacrifice, let's give you my three-legged sheep. (laughs) Well, I give you my good one. And yet Jesus died in his prime, 33. Beautiful, healthy. He gave his best, not a blemish on him. And the sacrifice system is built on giving the best one, best bull. So this is how you are in your life to God. You, at your best, at your pinnacle, love God. It makes sense, and that's why we always make a joke, we're not that spiritual, because there's a little bit of what seems like worldly thinking to think, hey, I like that. You know, when I see someone that's really put together give themselves to God, that seems good, but I mean, you know, that's not religious thinking. That's how people look at it. But they don't realize sometimes people are outthinking them. It's like that teenager that doesn't know the parents are really outthinking them. Yeah. Because that's the genius of the Bible. As you grow in wisdom, it, you're like, oh my gosh, this makes it all make sense. Amen.